Welcome back to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles. I am your resort manager, Ross Bolin, here with concierge extraordinaire, Barrett Dudley, here to discuss The White Lotus Season 2, Episodes 4 and 5. Barrett. That's right. 4 and 5 today. A lot has happened since we last got, last got into the studio. Gotta cram a lot Whew. into this podcast. There will be much to discuss. Yes. Look at you. You've even added some Italian beaded jewelry to your wrist. No, this is, as, this uh, is uh, a, I'll be honest with you, I have no idea what this is. No. Okay. My wife gave it to me. Ah. Yeah. Well, it looks like it's from Italy. It probably is. Yeah. It's probably Italian made. Well, let's jump right into it, because like you said, we have a lot to discuss. Uh, appreciate y'all for your patience. Obviously, Thanksgiving took priority last week. Got to let people do their Thanksgiving and give thanks, Barrett. So uh, let's start with some, some episode four. We'll briefly get through the, the you know, broad strokes of yep. what occurred. Yes. And then uh, jump into episode five, uh, as it were. So... You and I were talking before the show. Essentially, episode four is when we are introduced to this new group of people, the gays, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Um, that are going that that end up being a very big focal point of episode five, and clearly are going to be a focal point moving forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the split of Albie and Portia. Yeah. In their separate directions. Yeah. Occurs. So it's obviously it's been a week since I since I watched episode four. Um, the, and those are the two things that stood out to me. Looking back, what do I remember from episode four? Major plot points were were the, were the our, our new friends that enter the picture, who are a bunch of uh, fun loving gay guys. I plus, thought Quentin, the main gay, uh-huh. was gonna was. I thought he was straight. Okay. All right. But he wasn't. Yeah. He's not. Uh, plus one guy who's their nephew of sorts, who turns out to be the sensitive nipples man. Yeah. Who you know who who hits it off with uh, with with Portia there, and, and he kind of uh, steals her away from Albie. From Albie, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he steals your girl. So then and, Albie uh, falls into a bit of prostitution. That's right. So uh, what what, it, what else happened in episode four before we you know kind of start talking about some of those things? Because I know other stuff happened. What happened with our four with our two couples in episode four? So episode four is when uh, Harper finds the condom wrapper. That's right. And she she's realizes sus. that she's big sus. Ethan has not been honest with her about what occurred while she was in Noto yeah. with Daphne. But rather than ask him up front, she puts it away in her, you know, bathroom kit, stews on it yeah. for a day, basically giving him the opportunity to tell her. And she she presents several different conversations for him where he could have had the chance to come out, be up front and say, look, that's right. We yeah. took a bunch of Molly with some hookers and Cameron banged them <laughs> how, on our couch. I, I'm curious how you and your and, and your wife reacted to her slow play, because because my partner thought that that was like a psycho move. There's no way she'd be able to hold it in and sl- and, and slow play it like that. Yeah, different just, different just, strokes for different folks. On it, you know, um, I I didn't like it because it's manipulative, and I'm a dude, and uh, I obviously find myself being in Ethan's <laughs> camp in this conversation because of that. Just from sex from sex alone, um, but I get why she did it. It was to see. Look, okay, she's already like, wow, he might have cheated on me, right? Um, but even if he didn't, I I would like it if he would tell me the truth I, rather than lie to me. Because remember, he just yeah. told all he told her was we got really drunk. That was it. Right, right. They got really drunk. He barely, you know. Yeah. Yada yada. No, not no big deal. Just boys being bros. Um, yeah. I, I just I I do I I feel that 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 uh that response though where it's like how do you just hold that in? Now same time, just a note for everybody in a relationship out there. 
If you did, if if you did something sus, and your significant other, spouse, partner, what have you, continues sure. to pepper you with questions about it, they might know something. Ethan is a moron. <laughs> he handled this about as poorly as you can. While I can't say the same for Harper, like she obviously had her specific strategy that she she executed, but he really, really shit the bed in terms of the way he handled this entire situation because he should have caught on one. Yeah. yeah. He should have given more color to the original. Look. Here's the other here's the other side of it for everybody listening. It's like he should have told her immediately. He's not trying to wreck the vacation. He's just a moron and he handled it really really poorly, but his I'm assuming his logic here is like, well, if I tell Harper right now yeah. what happened last night, yeah. she's going to tell Daphne and this whole vacation is destroyed, right? Yes. So Honestly, considering the circumstances, I kind of understand why he didn't tell his wife. That being said, when she ca caught him mm. omitting information, he should have immediately explained, like, honey, I didn't want to blow up this whole trip. I was going to tell you the second we got home, I didn't do anything. It was just him. He's a psycho. Yeah. And dump it all on Cameron, which he still really kind of failed to do in the end when push came to shove. And if, if you listen, you're like, oh, that's fucked up. Throw it on camera and guy code, whatever. Fuck that. There are rules. And if it comes <laughs> down to it and my marriage is being threatened by your psychotic behavior, I'm throwing you immediately under the bus. Fuck all that. So I, oh, I, you're, oh, you're saying you are in favor of breaking the guy code in that instance. When you get home, for sure. Oh, Maybe yeah, not immediately yes. and blowing up yeah. the trip if it's that important to you. But I, the other thing about this is you have to go back to like, this is a huge part of the show right now for me. Why did he do that? Like, why didn't he tell her? Why did, why did he handle it the way he did? And if you go back to the beginning of the season, these people aren't that close, man. They're not besties. They're not, it's not like you and me going on a trip with our girls or something. Like, that's not the situation here. He should have told her immediately. Everyone already knows Cameron's a scumbag, as we yeah. get to in episode five. It, he, it was the, all of the risk was now on him, keeping this secret from his wife. Yeah. And not checking the room at all. Like, not checking to see, as he questions Cameron in episode five, like, how did you not fucking look for the condom wrapper? Mm. Dude, you gotta, you gotta, if you're gonna do the thing where you hold this information until you get home, yeah, yeah, which is yeah. the only version I'm suggesting, then you better clean up your fucking room. Classic uh, condom wrapper mishap, by the mm. way. Happens to the best of us. That's how I was found out um, that I was active my senior, year oh. of my, my senior year of high school. Really? Yeah, left one in a pocket. Was never a condom Mom guy. Mom was doing a laundry. <laughs> Miracle that I'm not riddled with diseases and have like seven kids right now, dude. It really is. Yeah. Really yeah. is. Never been a condom guy. Well, have everybody out there, you know, if you're... If you're Strap up. Yeah, just... You know, if you're not in a monogamous one one person relationship, even then, <laughs> maybe even then. But yeah, no condoms. Be safe. Uh, use use safe uh, sex. Protect, pr yeah, practice safe sex. This podcast pro safe advocates sex. for safe sex and condom use, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, so oh, the other side of of episode four that we could briefly touch on is Cameron at the beginning of the episode is kicking. Lucia and Mia out of his room and yep. he does not have the money to pay them in full. He doesn't have all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of questions about, you know, what 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 was the intention of this entire vacation? It's becoming pretty clear to me that Cameron is in financial trouble. Yeah. Uh, he I, said a line in episode three when his wife is talking about like sometimes I just get drunk and then I go shopping and I spend a lot of money. And he says, Yeah, like all of the money. 
And I, I was like, oh, wow, that really flagged for me. Like, this guy might be in financial trouble, and that's why he's trying to get Ethan to invest his new money with Cameron and his boys. Yeah, um, I, I think that it's kind of been hinted at along the way that that Cameron and uh, and Daphne's financial situation may be in a little bit of a crisis. As a result of their lifestyle, it would seem, uh, at least in part. But um, or bad money management, you know, this guy, he works in a hedge fund. He's supposed to be managing people's wealth. Right. Right. What if he had it all in the stock market? Stock it's 2022 market hasn't been great. It's not been good, Ross. No. I don't know if you've seen the uh, the trades. I have. Have you read a paper recently? Not good. Not my portfolio is shit. <laughs> it is shit. He probably um, had it all in crypto. Other than that, what happens with the D'Amico, the D'Amico family in uh DeGrasso, excuse me, DeGrasso family in uh, in episode four. I guess really just the biggest piece of the puzzle is that Albie hooks up with the prostitute that his dad was formerly employing. Yeah, which so which, uh, which is really weird. That's right, and um, great little scene where he and Portia are kind of like trading back and forth at the at opposite ends of the bar, trying to one up each other. Showed that they have both moved on completely and entirely. Who can have the hotter makeout sesh? Yeah. Uh, Loved that, that scene. <laughs> that was pretty good. And and while we were watching this, while, while we see Albie, you know, make this connection with Lucia, were you, what, what were you reading as far as, okay, what is happening here from a professional From a business standpoint. standpoint. From a business standpoint. Um, I was pretty sure he had no clue what he was getting into. Now, yeah, I don't right. know why she didn't like that. We're going to get into that a lot in episode yeah. five, I think. Yes, right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, oh. so it, it, I was reading the whole thing is like, okay, I think she's working a different angle. Uh huh. She's not saying straight up front, up front uh, you know, Hey, by the way, 2000 I'm a, and I'm, a, I'm a working girl, 2000 and night, just so you know, before we do anything, Besides make out at the bar. Right. Uh, and so I, I I felt like she was kind of, you know, I didn't I, I didn't totally buy that she was like, well, now I'm just going to find a boyfriend, I guess. Yeah. Right. Like I'm done with the pet. I'm done with my past life. This guy's so sweet. This, he's changed me entirely. He's changed me entirely in 12 hours, just like that. Yeah. Boom, done. But uh, but it was it was notable. I thought that there was no exchange of any type of information let alone, uh, let alone money, which we'll get into further in episode five. Only other thing about episode four: Mia agrees to have sex with Giuseppe. That's right. Yep. Uh, to become a piano player, he can't get it up. She goes and gets the wrong drugs. He has some kind of a cardiac arrest or something. We don't actually know yet. He survived though, and he's carted away to the hospital. Um, and Valentina, the resort manager, refuses. Oh yes, that's important. That's refuses important to well. let her play piano, and pretty up, like she reveals that yeah. she is. She's actually into Isabella. That's right. At the front desk. And buys her a gift from the nice little jewelry boutique. That she had mentioned. Down the road that she had mentioned. Very Um, obviously romantic. Yes. This is not a House of the Dragon, Rhaenyra, Allison situation. No, no, no. I think we're on the right page here. All right. We we got this one. Good, good. Um, Yes. And that that was notable because, of course, I had totally misread uh, her, her, what she was putting out, the vibe that she was putting out. In episode three, where I thought she was feeling um, regret for the way that she had treated 
her love life overall, but I, I was thinking about it in a heterosexual sense that maybe sure. she wished she'd been more open to like male advance or whatever. No, it was really more like frustration. Uh, I think um, it, it was romantic frustration, but in a totally different sense, which is that I don't think she maybe uh, had come fully to terms with her sexuality. Maybe yet, not. Or was, wasn't willing to, to fully embrace it. More of which we'll get into uh, here in a moment with episode five. But yes, um, definitely showing romantic interest in in Isabella there. Let's take care of some business and move into episode five. Today's episode is brought to you by NordVPN. NordVPN here to drastically enhance your web browsing experience and data security. No one likes to be watched or tracked, even if they have nothing to hide. And that's why it's important you step up your privacy game whenever possible. If you're not using a VPN right now, you're currently open to having your internet data creeped on in a big way. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. It's a service that protects your internet connection and privacy online, creates an encrypted tunnel for your data, protects your online identity by hiding your IP address, allows you to use public Wi-Fi hotspots safely and more. VPNs are the only way to be sure your real location and IP address are hidden, your online data is encrypted, and your browsing history is invisible to your internet service provider and other third parties. Everybody who cares about their privacy should be using a VPN right now. NordVPN is the best and fastest VPN provider in the business. NordVPN is software, not hardware. It's super easy to use across every major platform, whether it be Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, or whatever. And your Android TV supports NordVPN even. You can connect with just one click or enable auto connect for zero click protection. I personally love NordVPN because if you travel abroad, finally get that vacation in, let's say, you can go to Italy perhaps, you can still have access to your favorite shows and movies from your home country on location-based streamers like Netflix using NordVPN. And because at this point I think it's important we all take our privacy online seriously, obviously. So grab your exclusive OCC NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com OCC to get a huge discount on your NordVPN plan. Plus, Free threat protection plus four months for free. This deal is absolutely risk-free with NordVPN's 30-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose except a sense of insecurity. There's a link for the deal in the description of this episode. Thank you to NordVPN for supporting the Clam Fam and our online security. Again, that's nordvpn.com slash OCC, code OCC. So let's jump into episode five where I I will say this just... After episode five, I was like, this is better than season one. They have already surpassed season one for me. And I think it is in large part due to what you pointed out. No COVID restrictions allowed them to go bigger Mm -hmm. and better Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. But this also produced the most anxiety watching of, of like any of any nonviolent show I've ever watched. (laughs) Like, breaking bad levels of anxiety as I was watching this unfold. Like, oh my god, every single one of these characters is now a massive ticking time bomb. The only ones that I thought might be safe being Portia and, uh, what's her name? Uh, Jennifer Coolidge's character. Yeah, slipping my mind at the moment. Tanya. Tanya. Tanya Tanya McCoy-Hunt. Yes, of course. Um, I thought they were just, I thought Tanya's fortunes were turning and uh-huh. she was going to have just have it look these gays are just they're just these they just want to have fun with her right they love her they think she's she's fashionable but no yeah I, as it I, went on i was like oh god I, I thought that this episode was masterful uh in that sense um i definitely picked up on all of this as well uh as as somebody that is admittedly and and has said that i do not watch this show continuously thinking about who's gonna die who's, who's gonna, gonna kill gonna who the murder or who's going to do what and how it all plays out in the end. This episode moved me in that direction and it was and it was I thought it was really fun for that reason because even more 
than in season one where we had little feints at it with uh, with Tanya's husband kind of starting to, to to cough or choke something up or when uh, when when Daddario's Rachel like grabs the knife in the hotel room. There was all sorts of that type of stuff, but also just like even more nuanced little just like pieces you'd pick up were like, okay, this person now has a reason, a motive, somebody to hate, somebody to be mad at, somebody to be frustrated with, somebody to be disappointed in. Like it's just flying around willy nilly and you can see it go in a thousand different directions. And I thought that that was that was really fun. There was still good character development. There was still a lot of fun things happening. Uh, and yet it it kind of hinted towards and really like forced you to kind of remember that opening scene uh, more there are going to be bodies more than anything else uh, that we've gotten so far. Yeah, um, let's let's start with Albi. So Lucia and him have their night of passion. He is he is uh, saying goodbye to her in the morning, and she's like, "And that'll be two thousand euros, Playboy. <laughs> that's my overnight fee." And he is completely taken aback. Uh, he had no idea. Yeah, he thought this random, beautiful Italian woman that is scantily clad uh-huh. at all times yeah. was just happened to be into him. <laughs> Didn't track any of it. He's a total fucking idiot. And uh, as a result, he's like. He immediate like his reaction was interesting because he's the, he's playing a good guy, right? Albie's playing at being a good guy, a progressive good guy who's who's very into like even with the situation with Lucia later in the episode, he's like wants to save her, right? He's one of those dudes, save her from her pimp that doesn't exist, and he's like, no, 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 I'll go to the bank, I'll get the money, uh, it'll be fine, and 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 then he's like, and maybe we can still hang out tonight too. He's kind of still okay with that idea mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. he just he's a Degrasso, and that's what these dudes do. Yeah, so so I'm I'm with what you're saying. I I don't think I don't have any reason to believe yet that Albie isn't who he says he is and acts like he is. I think Albie is genuinely a nice, you know, good-hearted, kind of soft guy. Like I, I do. I think that's him. I don't think so, man. Um, Everyone on this show is presenting a face like that's not theirs. Yeah, but I, but, but I, it's because more what I see for him is what we talked about last uh, or two weeks ago is more of like the snap. That's more the direction that I see him going. Like everything, not, building, not breaking his way and building because he is a nice guy, and that being like kind of the 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 ultimate trigger, right? Every. And and you can even contrast that. Everybody else that is putting on airs and, and kind of showing a face and like kind of pretending to be somebody that they that that isn't representative of who they actually are. Yeah. Those are all like they're control mechanisms, they're defense mechanisms. They allow you to live with things that are bad. Right. Sure. sure. But when you're when you are good and and nothing breaks your way, that's like, you know, you you get to that breaking point. In you like break a, bad in a different way. You Walter White. So I so that that's more how I see it going. You're totally right though about like he he is so, some of these things like where he like well what if she's in a situation that where she's being taken advantage of and what if it's all circumstance and what if she's got a pimp that's forcing her to do things and, Alessio and painting the narrative for her is kind of like it you know it removes her agency which you know is always kind of a dickish thing to do regardless of if he's correct or not. Well, at a very simple level, um, it allows him to believe she actually might like him. Yeah. Right? And, and then and then beyond that, it, it, it serves his own narrative as well and, and gives him justification for... Doing this at all. Continuing to hang out with her and, and doing this at all and kind of being okay with it all. And, and, and right, he's going to... He, he's, he's going into this and he's trying to white-knight her, basically. 
Yes. And yeah. Once she tells him, oh, I'm a prostitute, you owe me $2,000, and my pimp Alessio is going to be looking for that money. Yeah. He can't even, it's like he can't even deal with the reality of the situation. He has to white knight it. He has to turn it into this like, well, oh, yeah. oh, well, I, it's a matter of circumstance and I can protect her and save her. So that that's why I think that he, that, that's why I think that, that the, um, you know, obfus, obfus, uh, can't, no. that's too big of an SAT word for me to handle for you. <laughs> I, I, I think I know I, where you're going with yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. I'm, but I'm blowing it, and I and I I can't get it to obfuscation. Yeah, but it, but it, it, but I I botched the pronunciation anyway. So I'll, I'll try something else. That's why I think <laughs> the omission of of her profession from the night previous was purposeful. Oh yeah, because everything she does later in this episode with the guy that we're pretty sure is not actually her pimp and is just a friend playing. Hundred percent not her pimp. She would have mentioned the pimp at some point. She yep. does not have a pimp. Um. The uh, the casual mention of the guy that owes her money. Oh, but don't worry about it. It's not your problem. She played that up so well. Like everything that she's doing after the night, where she's like, "Oh, by the way, that was two thousand euro." It's it's a it's it's reading much more of a long con. It's a further manipulation. Yeah. yeah. Even the 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 lack of a mention of her, her profession night one was the beginning of that long con. Right. And as she tells Mia, he's. This is a really rich, really innocent, nice guy who has no clue what he's doing and is way out of his depth, basically, is what she's saying. And she, I don't, we don't know what her game is yet, but certainly everything we see in episode five from Lucia with regard to Albie is a further manipulation. Yeah. And she is working this dude so hard and he is falling for it, which really like, I mean, by the end of episode five, the people I'm worried about the most are all the sex workers. Like th- that's the group of people that I'm like, oh, because they're disposable in the eyes of society. They have like way less um, protection than these other people do. And they're, they're alone mm-hmm. in this. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like it's going to get really, really ugly. But yeah, I Albie, I have a lot of concerns about still. <laughs> I, I just don't. There's something about his character that I don't trust at all. And it's like if they really get into it when they sit down with all the DeGrassos and you're looking at three generations and the the impact that like parents have on their children yeah. and how it translates from generation to generation and there's just no way this all ends well for him <laughs> it is it is it's a mess um where do you want to go to next the gays uh let, let's just close up shop on on the degrassos okay. because there's just to to um you know to to put to tie ends on that we also get that conversation between Dom and Bert you know that's that's a where there is blame being shared essentially for Dominic ending up the way that he did. Yeah. Uh, there, there, and th- that's where you get F Murray Abraham as Bert, just slinging the knife around in front of his face. Uh, the, 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 <laughs> the light is glinting off the metal. It's like very purposeful that, that, that he has that, that knife up um, and is very defensive about the relationship that he had with his wife. And I thought, Man, it's it's like one of those ones that I definitely want to rewatch because it was a really. I I was getting so many things from that. One is just like the truth sometimes is exactly what we tell ourselves it is, right? And that 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 truth can be what anybody wants it to be, and that that last line where he essentially just like shuts down the conversation by saying, "I loved her, she loved me," and like basically end of story. Yeah, that's that. It does not matter. Nothing else matters. The way that she felt in those moments don't matter. The way that I acted didn't matter. We loved each other, and that's that. And, like, he's very okay with that. 
And I think we've seen... I think he has to be, though. And he has to be, of course. But we've also, like, it, it also felt like a very generational, you know, flag in the ground as well. It was, it was, he basically was saying, in my day, that's how it was. Right. Right. And so well, it's, it just, it's, but it it's also just, shows you how big of a piece of shit he is because he did not care at all about what it did to his wife. And as Dominic puts it, she was a very bitter woman. She died a very bitter woman. Yeah. You didn't see what this did to her. You didn't see the impact it had on her. And oftentimes, I think, uh, parents, you, you have to tell yourself a story to live with what you've done, yeah. right? And in the case of Bert, it's going to be really interesting to see how this, this his storyline ends because I think that the combination of him waving around the knife and that smile he puts on all the time and when he says, I loved your mother and your mother loved me. And the, like he's got that hat. He looks so happy. It looks yeah. so genuine. And that lets me know it's not. There's no way. Yeah. So I hear you. No, it's, it's, it's a weird, every single character, main character on this show is like a psychological case study of like the human condition, the mistakes you make, how much sin you can live with to put it in boardwalk empire terms. And every single one of these people is like failing beautifully <laughs> all at the same time, all across this resort. But that was one of my favorite scenes. It was a really good scene. Because um, Dominic is clearly wrestling with, like, his place in all of it. Yep. Seeing the actual impact that, like, his kid is totally fine with running around with escorts because he has normalized it, as Bert put it. And Dominic's like, you normalized it for me! Yeah. And he's not even willing to cop to that. He's like, I never ran around with hookers. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, maybe they weren't hookers, but right. you did something wrong. Uh, and then on the lighter note, I would just add that I, 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 I got some, some kind of chuckle moments as Dom is watching his son uh, kind of play things out with Lucia. And they never have to say this, but just the nuanced, like, exasperation of like, oh, my God, I can't believe my son's going to fuck the same chick that I just did. That's <laughs> like, a prostitute. <laughs> and he can't say anything. He can't say anything. Because if he says something, then he has no chance of getting a Abby back, yeah, his mom or whatever uh, her name is. But that that was really, like, just like, I mean, Michael Imperioli is such a good face actor. It was, you know, he doesn't have to say much to, like, communicate. And there was a lot of really, really good just looks that he was giving in this episode as he watches this unfold. I don't look. I don't know how I would handle a situation like that. Like Dominic is in. I, I I would never be in a situation like that in the first place. But I was like, what are you doing? When he goes and talks to Lucia, and he doesn't just like lay it out for her point blank. You cannot be running around with my kid. You're a prostitute. What the fuck are you doing? Like you he, just. I was your client. Now he's. You're doing. You're working him. What the hell? I know. I was really surprised he did not mention like money at Do all. Do more like, to. Def are you going? Oh, like are you? Like are you playing him? Are you chart? Like he's what is happening? He's still letting her run up credit on know? his fucking card. Yeah. He's, she's yeah. still buying food on the room. At the very least, I would have been like, look, you can't both charge my son two thousand euros and also be running up my credit card buying food, going to my dad's room and taking yep. a shower. The way he handled the entire thing was bizarre. Um, one of the only points in the season so far where I was like, that doesn't feel like how somebody would have handled that. Yeah. But um, yeah, the DeGrasso family is a gigantic train wreck waiting to happen. I cannot <laughs> wait to see how it all goes up in flames. It is going to be glorious. Um, let's, let's go to the gays. And yeah, let's Tanya, do it. Tanya and Portia. So they get to go to Palermo, right? First of all, Portia and this dude, what's his name? Uh, Nipple em guy. Emmett. He. It's not Emmett. They hit <laughs> Emmett. 
they uh, they really hit it off. Um, she she has found the adventure she was looking for, right? And for the first like twenty minutes of the episode, I was really not like catching on to how poorly this is going to go. When Tanya told her, you know, basically be careful what type of dudes you spend your time with in episode four or three, it didn't flag for me at all. Again, I was still on the train of like, no, these girls are catching a break. They've both been miserable and now they're going to be shown a good time, the best possible time you could imagine in Italy by these lovely gay men and none of the bad stuff flagged. Now, the obvious closing scene of the episode brought me back to a bunch of other moments that made me go, oh my God, how did I not see more of this coming? Yeah, so uh, two things I want to touch on. One is just the 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 feeling that you may have gotten even just a small hint of even if you didn't know what it was you probably felt a little bit of this in, in season four where did these guys come from why are they suddenly so interested in her what what are the, was a what, little suspicious it was a little suspicious but you're like oh they're just a bunch of you know fancy guys having a good time they see this they see this woman who's clearly solo but she's dressed in bright colors and she's She's kind of a ham, so like she's probably fun to have around. Let's just loop her in, throw down. Okay. Right. The second thing I wanted to touch on is the story that he tells her during that first meeting about the woman that lived out on the island who like didn't want to sell the house and she lived solo solo there. And then like some, I think some wise guys is the insinuation, like come try to buy it from her. Some she's real still, estate guys, she's yeah. Still, she still says no. And then the next thing you know, she's murdered and like thrown off the cliff or something. She's and, at the uh, the bottom of the rocks and yeah. yeah. Uh, the story did not mean anything to me at the moment. I just thought it was like a cryptic thing to be talking about since they're sitting off the island, starting to, to come into focus here along with the kind of soliloquy about uh beauty that this guy that uh that, that our guy our main guy goes into here yeah also didn't understand that one but not really clearly means something as well well anyway, he basically said so, like he can't connect with people on a love level that everything is just about like the enjoyment of beauty to him which was sure it was weird but it was the first thing he said that was kind of dark where mm-hmm. i was like wait what yeah and um, why her then no offense to jennifer cool she's she's a beautiful woman in her own right but None of it really tracks when you go back to like the first meeting between these two, him seeing her in the bar. Mm -hmm. But now in hindsight, it's like he clearly identified someone he thinks he could, he could work in a way. She, at this point, I think we're, we're, it's, it's very clear that she is a mark, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure how much of anything that these gays have been telling her is true. We have no idea. I really, like, really don't know. Is the villa that they're staying in even theirs? Even theirs, probably not. The story they, about his dad even true? How did they get on the yacht? Whose yacht is that? Like, yeah, the, like everything seems very questionable at the moment, dude. Because um, you even remember in episode three or four when they were partying together, it was episode four, um, and all these young guys all of a sudden show up. There's like six, seven other young guys they bring into the party. Yep. And yep. at that moment, I was like, oh, man, these guys are so rich and throwing down so much cash that all these people are just willing to party with them. But now in hindsight, I'm like, wait a minute, were all those prostitutes, too? Were, were all those young men sex workers that they were bringing in? Like, what the hell yeah. is going on here? Uh, because, look, let's just jump to the end yeah, scene because we kind of have yeah, to. Our, our young guy's name, by the way, is Jack. Jack. That's Jack. So Jack has been telling us this entire time that this is his uncle. Yes. Right, he's traveling with his uncle abroad, which again I never really questioned it. The only thing about him, and this just might make me a bigot in some ways, that I ever flagged 
was his tattoos. They didn't look like rich people tattoos. They look like Russian mafia tattoos. (laughs) And I was like, what's with the tats? What's with the, the nipple comment in the pool? Something was maybe a little off with him. But then again, my mind just went back to, nope, Porsche's catching a break here. Albie sucks. This dude is fun and going to show her the time of her life in Italy. And in the end scene, he's fucking his uncle in the ass. Yes. Not his uncle. Got to guess it's not his uncle. And Tanya walks right in on him. Yeah. Not a Targaryen situation is my read here. Don't think so. They're not related. This is a sex worker that he is bringing along with him. I will say, though, that this is now the second season in a row where we seem to have come to a major turning point in the form of a wild gay sex scene. <laughs> Definitely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, oh, I know I mentioned this on Patreon, but I made a joke earlier in the season about how Mike White's wife must be so proud of him uh, for being so woke. And uh, Mike White is, is very openly bisexual and not married to a woman. Yeah. Um, which also gives him the ability to write I think, both right, sexes yes, so well. And create well. these kind of like, I mean, what, one big thing that, that, that I got from the final reveal here in the scene is like, okay, well, now the, oh, now the uh, opening credit scene is all making more sense as well because it's, it does get into all this little like, right? What does it keep doing in the opening credit scene? It focuses on something and then it kind of either pans or cuts quickly to where you're not looking, where something you know, weird is going on, or something weird sexual or violent something is going sexual on, or violent or dark or, or something, or, yeah. or things that don't make sense or kind of clash, all that. So it's definitely, you know, you, wh- what you're not looking at, what you're not paying attention to, is where something mis- mischievous, at the very least, is going on. And what was the what was the biggest flag for you in episode five with Jack? With Jack. Well, I mean, as soon as he says, as soon as he gets back to the house and says that he has to go do something for his uncle, I thought that that was weird. The second he didn't pay for that meal, I was like, oh, Oh. no, oh my God, no. He doesn't have his wallet. Who doesn't take their wallet with them into the city? They knew they were going. That's a very good catch. He doesn't just tell her, will you pay for me? That's right. He tries to play it all off as this like, almost like, well, I'm so rich and abnormal that I wouldn't even think it's a big deal to run away from a meal. But that was a huge, like, I immediately came crashing down from my high of, like, they're just catching a break to, like, uh uh-oh, this this dude's going to be a problem, too. I I will say, I think it's a good ruse to have Jack there because the, the, the story made a ton of sense for me. If I had a very rich uncle that lived in Sicily and had access to yachts and private villas and was just like, hey, do you want to come out, hang out? And just travel around and get on the yacht and for maybe, months and maybe like attract some girls and bring them on the yacht and hang out with them too. And we can all just have a good time and party. But yeah, sign me up for that. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I'm quitting my job today and moving out to live with so you. Like yes. that, that, none of that piece of the story like raised any flags for me. Uh, but then when they, yeah, you're, you great catch there on, on it being that the, Oof, the, the, the bill, the diamond yeah. dash being a big, big red flag. Uh, and then as soon as he said, like, I have to go do something for my uncle real quick, I was Keep like... Keep your door unlocked. That's weird. Yeah, that was... Uh, that was what, what What would you possibly have to go do for your uncle at midnight when you get back from partying? So night? my mind immediately went to the Godfather references from earlier in the season, and I thought this was going to be some kind of a gay mafia situation. And like he, like I was like... whack somebody? I was like, oh shit, <laughs> gay mafia time, let's fucking go. Um, and like, maybe he was like some kind of muscle for his uncle who was the head of the gay mafia or something. I have no idea. Okay. But I was (laughs) firmly (laughs) planted in a camp that was not the one we end up in when we get that scene, the reveal of Tanya 
waking up. It's almost like her radar went off that something was amiss, and she's wandering around this uh, villa, yep. and then hears the moaning and just keeps going, and I'm like, oh my god, no, fuck, what is about to happen? This is so bad, oh, what is she about to discover? And then it's 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 Jack um, with his alleged uncle, yeah. and yeah, she just like turns around and walks out, and that's the end of the episode, but now I feel so bad for Portia. yeah. Yeah, And she was like in this place, even when he's like, oh, I didn't pay for the food. That's why we're running and hiding behind a trash can. She's so giddy and happy that she's spending time with this hot dude that she's into. He's got this accent. He says funny words. It's all very exotic and international. And then it's all predicated on a lie. Yeah. Yeah. And she, you know, I, I, I keep thinking about when she's sitting there at Albie, sitting there with Albie at lunch that one day. And she's just like. Like just like nothing is doing it for her. The scenery, the the food, the company. She just is everything. This bo- just boring. Yeah. And like Jack is finally bringing a level of excitement to her life, something that is engaging her. I'm gonna take you to the clubs. They don't even start up till two a.m. <laughs> We're stealing food. So it's like something has finally given her life in in the form of of this this new flirtation and this new relationship. And I, you know, I I don't remember if it was after episode two or episode three where we called this. But my money on on who snaps or who ends up potentially committing murders if it does go that way is still Portia or Albie. I think that we flagged that early, and I think that that's if if that's the way that it tilts is is to like one of our mains doing something insane or creating the situation or that causes all that. I st- I'm, that those are still my two front runners. I I will agree with you on pr- in principle, but. From a forward-facing standpoint, no one is in a more prime position to commit murder than Harper Spiller, uh, who is completely derailing throughout the course of episode five. But that's what makes me stay in your camp on principle. That feels really misleading, right? Like, Mike White is almost the king of red herrings at this point. Right. We know how season one unfolded. We've seen through five episodes a very similar, if not much more ratcheted up and intense version of that same pattern, where he gives you all of these myriad of reasons to be suspicious of every single main character he's created yep. and you know a lot of them are going to be false flags are going to yep. be red herrings and uh, the fact that Harper Spiller is as um, derailed emotionally by the end of episode 5 the fact that she it, she seemingly it, it's almost as if the the lack of honesty from Ethan about what happened with Cameron has completely destroyed her relationship with him like it, like in her mind, it's almost like it doesn't matter, Ethan anymore. It's just about trying to figure out what she's gonna do next. Yeah, and I, she's poking and prodding and bringing up threesomes in college and whether or not they've watched each other have sex and chugging wine. I think that the that the situation and the lie. I mean, I think that their relationship was kind of hanging on by a thread. It didn't seem like it was in a great or a, spot or a already. A couple of threads, and that just took the scissors and just cut, snip cut yeah. straight through the middle of them. Um, I, I, fast forward 15 seconds. If, if you don't want minor spoilers, we get a line in the next scenes from next episode where she says like, are we ever going to talk about how we're just not attracted to each other? Yeah. Um, which I is minor spoilery, I guess, but I think illuminates a lot of what is happening in this episode. Right. For me, because if are we, I, I it's, it feels like we're ready to start talking about our, our two couples here. Yeah, let's do it. Sullivan's and Spillers. Uh, and you're right. She is poking in prodding the bear and asking all sorts of sexual questions and 
out at the uh, on you know at the wine tasting. She's asking if Ethan, if Ethan and uh, and and Cameron. Cam ever had sex with the same girl or ever watched each other have sex. She's really, really just like walking right up to the line. By the way, one is this where you were starting to feel extra tense and oh my and, god, yeah, Th- this type of uh, borderline confrontation. It, it's it, the worst. It, it's absolute worst. I can't <sighs> deal with it. Some people thrive in it. Some people like this. Some people fucking live for it. Some people live for this. It it makes my skin crawl, and I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. My idea of a nice time is like talking about sports and the weather. Yeah. Let's not get into your <laughs> your very serious personal relationship like, issues. I, I'm yeah. I'm all for like some fun and some gossip, but the but what, when you start to build tension in between the people that you are with, I want out. Yeah. And it's very like it's because she's beating around the bush, right? She knows. That Cameron has been um, unfaithful to his wife with a sex worker on this very vacation. Yeah, she's not willing to come out and say it, for whatever reason. But she is willing to um, make everyone at the table completely fucking miserable yes. <laughs> for several hours. It seems, and the part that really got me, like, oh my god, make this stop, was the way the Sullivans handle it. It's like they'd been there before. Not uncomfortable for them at all. Cameron starts playing back. He doesn't give a shit. Daphne's completely unfazed or refuses to acknowledge in any way that anything weird is going on with with Harper and her line of questioning. And, I mean, eventually we get to the conversation between the two women. Yeah. That this, this blew... This is what took me like, oh my God, this is better than season one. The second she goes, Daphne says, I, met, I have this trainer. She basically tells him, look. She tells Harper, look... Maybe Ethan cheated. Maybe he didn't. But if something did happen, you have to do what you have to do to make yourself okay with it. I've got this trainer in the city that sometimes I spend more time with than Cameron. He's got these big, beautiful blue eyes. Here, I'll just show you a photo of him. Throws the phone over. Harper picks it up, looks at the phone. Little kid with giant blue eyes. (laughs) Oh, no, this is just a photo of your kids. Oh, my bad. Well, we'll talk about it later. She was directly telling her, I went and had a kid with someone else that child is her trainers that's not cameron's son and cameron has no idea what you didn't get this no dude she she's telling her point blank i have a trainer he has these big beautiful blue eyes here's a photo of him and i'm going oh shit she's going to show harper a nude no it's accidentally a photo of her two kids it wasn't an accident she threw the phone over on purpose to see if she would notice if you looked at the photo the first thing that i noticed was the 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 above child, blonde hair, gigantic blue eyes. So we do have a bit of a of a Targaryen Game of Thrones situation here, <laughs> with a fake chi- with a lie of a child. Yes, and so now the question becomes: Did and a she blonde haired and a blonde haired child from a man who is very clearly dark eyed and brunette? Right, exactly. That's a huge piece of the puzzle, and that kid is not his. And the question becomes: Did she do this in response to his cheating? Hmm. Or is his cheating and his bullshit and all of his madness in response to, like, maybe him subconsciously knowing this isn't his kid? And I'm going to say it's the former. Okay. She did it in response to his cheating. This is, okay, you're blowing my mind here. I did not pick up on this. Yeah. Um, So I I just want to give you my read real quick. I think yours is right. I think this is... Oh, it's 100% correct. The blonde hair and blue eyes thing is too much of a... It was so on the nose. Yeah, it's it's too pointed to... And the way she takes the phone back... Yeah. She's like, oh, my bad. Instead of just then showing her a picture of the trainer, she just moves on. 
It's because that was the photo she intended on showing. Well, of course, I got that part. But but so let me give you my read. I, oh, okay, okay. I took her meaning that like her trainer was was a euphemism for the child, and she was like, I I stick around and and do my thing for the kids. For the kids, maybe you should get a trainer. Was her way of saying maybe you should maybe you just need have, to have some a kids. Kid. No, no, no. But you're you, okay. That thought, child is it was not a, Cameron's. I thought it was a weird thing to like frame it as a trainer. Yeah. So this this the is, trainer's real. This is making a lot more. And sense. And he got her pregnant, and she had that child. Yeah. And told Cameron it was his. Okay. So the other thing here is is Cameron going to find out that child isn't his and murder his wife? <laughs> no, because she's <laughs> because the person she's that's the alive and discovers the bodies. The bodies. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's like okay. it just All gives right. you All right. the most explosive layer of scandal yet. That she just point blank told Harper, look, I know my husband's a cheating scumbag. He probably did do something while we were in Nodo. I had this kid with my trainer (laughs) and he doesn't know it. And that's how I sleep every night. Right. Like she has the ultimate trump card over this cheating scumbag who, by the way, what's his name? The actor? Theo James. Theo James. In his HBO after the episode little play back and forth interview Uh thing, he's basically playing himself and doesn't care if anyone knows it. Like... He, he tries to explain that, like, ah, you know, Cameron's a good husband, oh, yeah. <laughs> other than the prostitutes and the lying and the cheating. And I'm sitting there, like, in the back of my head, like, brother, I don't know if you understand what being a good husband means. Yeah, that, that was pretty funny. He, he, he's a good husband, a good guy, minus the lying and the cheating, and also the fact that he's kind of a dick. <laughs> yeah, that he's a, he's a huge asshole, and he's also, like, trying to swindle this friend and then, like, trying to bang his wife Clearly, by rubbing her leg under the table and shit, everyone here is going to die. Everyone's going to die, except Daphne. Okay. So he, here's, um, I got a couple questions for you, and also I just want to talk, talk about the what they were saying in the inside of the episode. Yeah. Because I, here's an outstanding question for me, and they, they talk about this in the inside of the episode, and they had one take, um, so I'm, I'm curious to, to hear if you have a different one, but- while they play these games with each other and they are at war with each other, essentially, and they each may, at, at the very least, Daphne knows that Cam does shitty things on the side. Therefore, she does what she has to do. They do seem to have a good relationship when they are together in the same room. They are they are touchy, feely, loving, affectionate, it, affectionate. Yeah. It all feels like there is real, genuine love there. Yeah, so we've think, seen them alone with no reason to fake it, right? Yeah. So I still think that that is that 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 is that they are a very odd, kind of deranged, uh, unhinged style of couple. Sure. Right. But I think that there is something genuine in there, and I think it's it 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 plays into the contrast of where we'll go and where we are going with Harper and Ethan, who have none of that. Right. They don't touch each other. Completely lacking kiss. in it. Yeah. They don't have any like little giddy moments or nice moments like to themselves. They're not off they're shopping together, no, laughing and no. enjoying themselves. It's very, it, it's, it's just so dead serious all the time. And so right. I, I definitely think there's something going on there um, that, that's just like that, that is being compared and contrasted on purpose. Absolutely. I think it's showing you Mike White is getting into the different types of relationships that exist and sort of these two extremes here. One of them is like, we are we are mis we are miserable maybe and yeah. are like we okay the the spillers are the couple that is has not done anything to rectify their situation they're not having side relationships they're not yeah. honest with each yeah. other about what's happening they're not 
talking about the issues that they have. Then you've got this other couple who very clearly has a an agreement of sorts, right? Because part of my read on Cameron not being like, when Ethan tells her, Harper figured it out, she found the condom, he does not lose his mind. Yeah. He's basically yeah. like, shit, dude, that sucks. And then immediately starts trying to like seduce Harper within a, an hour. That is an insane reaction. Totally abnormal to me. I was like, what the fuck? And it's because he has no risk here. His yeah. wife knows he sucks. He might even know that kid isn't his. But if yeah. it makes it to where they can do what they do and be happy together when they're together, right. and then also do whatever they want when they're apart, that works for them because they're psychos. <laughs> yes. And those people exist. Yeah. Psychos yeah. are everywhere, man. They're fucking everywhere. And the, the shit that people have in their, their personal relationship setups is never something you're aware of. Right. Yeah. It's it's private. It's what you know, unless some crazy shit like this happens to where it all spills out everywhere, you don't ever know what really people have going on behind the scenes. So you touched on on uh, on Cam starting to touch the leg. Of, he touched uh, her leg <laughs> of uh, of Harper. Yeah, they, we get the little scene earlier at the winery where Ethan tells Cam that he has the something desire. I cannot remember. Where he's got to bang all the what, girls what he, he likes what, or whatever. The, 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 yeah, the phrase that he used or the, the descriptor, the adjective before the type of desire. But it was, it was definitely something that mimetic. There you go. Uh, is is pretty relatable. Some people, I think, have it as like a compulsiveness, you know, where like they only want things because somebody else wants them to. Absolutely. Especially people that are perceived as higher status, smarter, richer, whatever it might or somebody be. That, it could just be but somebody some, that you very much admire, right? Yeah. Or look yes, up to. Exactly. Yeah. And so it is revealed to us that this hat was happening in college with them too. But every single girl Ethan, Ethan that he liked. Ethan would be into, into somebody or start talking to somebody or whatever it was. And Cameron would swoop in. Cameron would swoop in and bang them. Yeah. Um, he was, made it very clear, like every single girl that this, he liked. This also reminded me, though, just the fact that Ethan was able to, or I'm sorry, Cam was able possibly, or uh, as, as we were told, to bang every single one of them. It reminds me of the scene in The Office where Michael Scott is talking about how Todd Packer just banged every woman in The Office. It's like, that. no, that didn't, <laughs> like, it was just a very... He probably didn't bang all of them, though, right? Like I don't know, man. Maybe the more that I watch their relationship, the more I'm like, Jesus Christ, what so, are these? But, what but, the hell? But so we're it, we it's revealed that this was happening in college. Cam was basically stealing all of Ethan's girls. He is now after Harper. And the reason this makes even less, Cameron even says earlier in the episode when Harper is hammering them with questions about college and whether or not they ever slept with the same girl. Yeah. Cameron's like, yeah, that but he basically says like, well, Ethan was a fucking loser. Right. And I was running around with all the hot girls. So that never would have happened. Yep. The fact that that's the case and he was still going and banging every girl Ethan was ever interested in yep. makes him a total monster. Yes. And the fact that he is now pretty shamelessly, clearly like the, the, the twisted piece of it is that he knows Harper knows he banged a hooker two nights ago <laughs> and he's still going for it. And... What the hell is your read on what Harper's reaction right, that, was so that, far? That is the next question that I was going to get to. Um, it's not good. Because she's not not into it. Right. She's already seen his dong. She's seen the hog. She's smoking cigarettes and staring into his eyes while he smokes cigars and stares back into hers. And for whatever reason, everyone... Well, actually, Ethan is just cuck boy at this point. <laughs> like, he is totally bowed out. He's totally beaten down. He can't even say anything. He sucks. That guy sucks. He maybe is the worst character on the show yeah, in terms of yeah. likability. 
Um, but think. Daphne is also just like, I mean, she kind of infers in the inside the episode that like she's picking up on it, but she doesn't care. And this is all part of it for her. Well, and they're talking about threesomes. Like, I don't know if he's going to like rope her Harper into something with both of them. Potentially. I don't know. I, don't know. I couldn't get a read I, I mean, from that. I mean, Daphne's getting giddy about it. Oh, were you a good, were you a naughty or what, what did she say? Were so you a good girl, bad girl or bad girl? Good girl or bad girl? Were you a good girl or bad girl? Oh, God. So like, I, yeah, I, I think that. I might never go on a couple's vacation ever because of this show. <laughs> ever. I, I would outright, outright refuse the invitation. This is horrifying. Well, okay. This can let. I want you to put more, uh, just more parameters on that. This is why it's scary to go on a on a trip with a couple that you only know sort of from like work, basically, and from college a or, long time ago. Yeah, these people are thirty five. They're our age. They are our age. College yeah. was was a while back. It was, a, it was we, a, yeah. We many, graduated many, many, many a minute ago. ago. If you go with like you know close friends, you're pretty. I think you know what you're getting into for the most part. Yeah, unless one of your close friends is a Cameron. Turns out to be yeah, some strange Cameron. But yeah, so like. I, I don't know. I, I I think that Harper is. Look, we we see her really like, you know, kind of. I, I don't know if coming out of her shell is the right way to describe it, but she's definitely like throwing the shackles off. When she seems like to you, be like, you want me to be like, if you people are going to be crazy, I'm going to be crazy. Right. I wouldn't say it's throwing the shackles off so much as like jumping in the pool with these people. Like, okay, you want to play? Let's play. And she's been disgusted with them the entire trip, right? Trying to figure out, is it real? Is it not real? What's with their affection? Why are they so affectionate and lovey-dovey? And we're not like that at all. They're clearly very attracted to each other still and in love. And we don't have that at all. But I know they're pieces of shit. And then she finds out they kind of are. Maybe they're cheating. Maybe they are. Blah, blah, blah. There's just, she's been pulling away trying to figure out what's the deal with these Sullivans. And now she knows and she's leaning into it? Well, and I think, did, did you get a little bit of this too? They are talking about college. She says she has had a threesome before. She is jumping into the pool with them. It's, it's kind of like, you. I almost got the sense that at one point in time, she turned and was like, I need to be a little bit more on the straight and narrow. And I'm going to live this like better nicer good girl life yeah good good girl life and that's what's going to serve me and so i it's almost like there's there might be this side of her that she can turn back to or get back in touch with or that she has you know within with it within her along with this this night this and she said old habits die hard yeah and she's going to like you know reach back reach back into that bag i I don't know but it it, i got a sense that was like i can be bad too but why? Because because what she's doing with Ethan, the good way, the right, the quote unquote right way, Isn't is not working. working. Totally agree with that. And it seems like her her mind has been made up that she will blow up this couple to and maybe make herself feel better. That, that's a great point too. Maybe she's just like, well, I'm I'm gonna blow this. I'm if my relationship is blowing up, I'm blowing this one up. Yes, with it. she's gonna take these these fuckers down with her, even if they do have some twisted, weird arrangement or whatever. Like it seems like she's gonna try. It seems like originally that's her intention. Because I think her, yeah. And but I, I don't know that, if she gets sucked in and seduced by the whole thing or some weirdness. I'm yeah. just not buying that she's into Cameron, right? Yeah, off yeah. top, and, right? And, it's for a reason. And and you mentioned you used the word disgust. She was disgusted with Cam and Daphne early on. I got. I got a little more of that or a, a, a some type of shock or like when, when Daphne basically shows her that picture, she's, I think that her reaction that she doesn't say out loud is you're sick. Like 
you you're you are deranged. Like this is this is insanity. This is insanity. You people are insane. Yes. No one should exist like this. Your relationship is almost like a stain that like needs it, to be removed from the world. It wasn't like a hmm, good point. Right. Maybe I will find myself a trainer. It was like, nah, this shouldn't exist. Yeah. And I mean, look, big credit to Aubrey Plaza here. I, I've seen her in a lot of stuff. She's obviously Parks and Rec is the first thing that I ever really yeah. was like, holy shit, this girl's really funny, but very dry, in a very dry and specific way. Uh, she has major acting chops oh, and yeah. is destroying this season. And her crazy face and her eyes by the end of the episode, if you rewatch it when you do, pay attention to her eyes in the first scene and then the fucking last scene when she shows her that cell phone photo. She is completely deranged by that point. Like she has, her eyes look completely different, man. And it is scary. And it's the thing about her that has me so teed up to believe she's got to do something. I'm not saying I'm, that she's 100% going to be one of the people that kills somebody or something like that, but some crazy shit is going to come from this woman. She is really, really getting crazy with it, and I, her acting has been phenomenal. I don't disagree that something crazy will happen with all, with all four of these people. I'm still I'm, I'm making my claim right now that all these people walk out alive and that none of them have anything to do with any murders or deaths. That's I, my, that I wouldn't is, be willing to bet against yeah. you. I would not be willing to bet against you. Uh, Quick aside on Aubrey Plaza, it, I don't know if you ever just like scroll like the Apple movies, top charts or whatever, just Sometimes. like see what's out. There's this movie that's been like the top 15 for a few weeks, I think, called Emily the Criminal that stars Aubrey Plaza. Okay. It came out this year. I think it went straight to video on demand or, or streaming or whatever. Oh, yeah. I saw this and on I the was charts. Like, yeah. And I was like, huh, that looks interesting. And I watched the trailer for it. But it looks to be kind of like an action suspense thriller where that she is the star, like she is yeah, the vehicle. She's vehicle. on the, she is the, she's star the cover. The yes. When I scrolled past and it, it I went nuts. Like, I thought, oh, this is only trending because she's starring in The White Lotus. But that was a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't uh, yeah. know if it's any good or not, but I just, it's another like, I, I think that her ability to carry and act and do all of this, like beyond what, you know, what we were giving her credit for is kind of like the sarcastic. You know, twee uh, comic relief in Parks and Rec is like right. it's definitely being recognized, or at least starting to. Yeah, she's got darkness in her that I was not, I did not suspect was there, and she's really, really displaying it well in season uh, or through episode five of this season. I, I loved it, man. That I mean, like I said at the beginning of the pod, I, this was the most stressful hour of TV I've experienced <laughs> in a while. And like, I'm in a healthy, loving relationship. You know what I mean? Like, here's the thing. It made me think about all the shitty relationships I've had in my past, right? Mm -hmm. Like where you can pick pieces from each of these couples and kind of remember like, oh God, that was so miserable. Or like, why was I doing that? Or what, man, that really translates to a, to kind of how one of my relationships unfolded or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Mike White has done so brilliantly with this series on the whole is like exploring, even to take it to Tanya and Greg, which Greg is completely not present in this episode still, and God knows how he's going to come back into play here. I think he might have to save her in some way. Um, but probably, yeah. he, she saved him. I think it's his turn to save her. There you go. And well Mike, said. but he's but he's exploring all, like I said earlier, all these types of relationships and the way that people make their relationships work or not work based yep. on their circumstances, which are individually different for every single couple, right? Every single one of them. There is no playbook. Yep. There is no real, like, this Dis is how there's be. no Disney version yep. of love. 
that you that you grow at least I grew up buying into like well this is the way it will go right and then now having been divorced remarried um, and had a lot of relationship experience it it could just could not be more spot on the way he's addressing relationships and it makes it fascinating but that's also what makes it so anxiety producing is you're just like oh my god people are monsters anyone is capable of anything <laughs> fuck can you really trust anybody <laughs> and uh, I love it man it's so so good. And it's so much more fun than it should be. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Uh, so, yeah. My last plot note that I just wanted to toss in there, Valentina gives Rocco the boot, sends him out to the beach club, <laughs> continues to make her, her move on uh, on Isabella, and yes. um, Isabella is nonplussed. And you got to imagine that that's going to go down in flames as well. So. Doesn't seem like it's going to end well. And then uh, the last thing I'll say is that Mia goes to Valentina, says like, you're gay, right? Hey, listen. You look pretty put out. How about I give you some, and in exchange, you let me be the piano player? And I was like, oh my God, Valentina's going to have her barred from the premises. She instead agrees to let her play piano. And she got through. She got through to her. It worked. Yeah. It worked. Craziness. That's amore. I love that song, by the way. Great song. It's a great song. Barrett and I will be back uh, next week to discuss episode six. We only have two left. Two left. As they reminded us in the after the episode craziness. If you didn't didn't watch it and you're not watching it, go watch them. They're really interesting. It's weird watching the actors discuss their characters. And then also we get a preview of what happens next week, obviously, which brings you a lot of anxiety as well to deal with in the meantime. Um, we'll be on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, taking hotline calls about episodes four and five later this week on Thursday. Get in there. Patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. If you're in the mollusk militia, make your hotline calls, throw out your theories, your questions. Don't come with Reddit or any of that other crap. You know the rules. Bowlinmedia.com slash shop to buy OCC merch for everybody in the clam fam in your life this holiday season. Maybe it's yourself. Follow us on social media at oysters, clams, and cockles on TikTok. Clams and Cockles on Twitter, Oysters, Clams, Cockles on Instagram. If you want to watch episodes of our show, youtube.com slash at Oysters, Clams, and Cockles. At Barrett Dudley on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the man. Follow me at WR Bolin on Twitter and Instagram. Be back soon. I'm, I'm going to rewatch, but I might have to take a Xanax before <laughs> just to keep myself calm. Until next time, Clam Fam. Obfuscation. Obfuscation. That was what he was looking for. <laughs> Peace!